thank you as I'm thinking about what's just happened tonight. I thank you that, Lord, our building is not on fire. I thank you that our building did not burn down. Lord, I thank you for the police department and the fire department of Newport News, our first responders, that they have been out there every day. The paramedics, Lord, they've been out there every day on the first line, Lord, taking care of us, Lord. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. We pray bless them, keep them healthy, well. Bless their families, Lord, the stress that they have to take home with them, Lord, on a nightly basis. We just pray the blessing, the peace, the shalom of the Lord over their lives, Lord. Save those that aren't saved. Lord, bless those that serve you, that know you, Lord. Keep them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you tonight, oh God. Lord, we pray for many on our prayer list tonight, oh God. We just lift them up to you, Lord. Uh, let me share just one piece of this. If you get the prayer email from the office, Oni Pickett called in yesterday. Just listen to this, what people are going through. The, the Pitts family in Macon, Georgia, a 25-year-old woman gave birth to her second child, and the mother died shortly after giving birth to the child. The Walmack family, Maureen, the aunt, aunt of Alicia, was found dead in her apartment in Northern Virginia. Tia Adams her, both her mother and father died this past Friday within 24 hours of each other. Can you comprehend that? I said, Oni. When I texted her, I said, Oni. I said, these people called you? I said, this is just, this is just too much. Father, we lift up these families, these lives. We don't, we don't know them, but Lord, you do. Oni knows them. You're intimately acquainted, Lord, with them and their needs. God, just hearing this, our heart just breaks breaks for this Tia who lost both a mother and a father within 24 hours of each other the aunt of the Walmack family just found dead in her apartment died alone 25 year old young mother gave birth to her second child and just right after birth died oh God we pray for these families we pray for these Lord to be ministered to and comforted by the Holy Spirit God we pray for those Lord in our nation, Lord, have been stricken with the coronavirus, sick. Some of them have lost loved ones, family members, friends. We pray for them, Lord, for peace and grace. We pray for, Lord, each one that's on our list tonight that are recovering from surgeries, recovering, Lord, in nursing homes, have a mother and a father, Lord, that are going through challenges in their life and their physical being. We lift them up to you tonight. Lord, we are so thankful to you, God, that you keep us, you sustain us, you help us through these times, God. We just pray for uh, Doris Parks, who is Tangie Cawthorn. If you know Tangie Cawthorn, her mother passed away uh, in Tennessee. So we were able to call Tangie and pray and talk with her. We just lift these up, Lord, to you, God, that the Holy Spirit just ministers to them. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can gather tonight. Thank you, Lord, we can gather tonight. Come on, are you glad for that? Thank you, Lord, we can gather tonight, Lord. We pray your peace and grace. We pray touch those that are watching live streaming. Lord, we pray minister to those that are listening on a call-in, Lord, basis. We just pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would talk to their hearts and minister to them and encourage them tonight, Lord. We give you praise and thanks in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Praise him. Give him praise. And then you can be seated. We're just asking you, just wave to your buddies across the room tonight and uh, just... Uh...
social distance. I've gotten used to just sitting down on Wednesday night, and we've kind of taken that, that posture. That's okay with you, isn't it? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> our offering, <clears throat> excuse me, our offering, how we're going to receive this is we're trying to make, make you coming into the building as touchless of experience as possible. So we're not passing our offering baskets. The ushers have baskets at this door, the two doors in the rear, and this door here. So if you will channel your way, funnel your way to one of those, those uh, doors on your way out uh, tonight as you give your offering tonight. And uh, what? Well, t- okay. Just go that way and go go that way and go out that one door. We're trying to make it touchless for you, so thank you for, yeah, I see that where it says enter only now. Zion's sake made all these signs up, so they're letting us use them, and this is how they used it Friday night. They were back for their first time Friday night here, but we're not having children, as you were told, and we're not having the youth or uh, the nursery, so uh, we're just, we're trying to work within that protocol. We're trying to look at the new normal. You know, when we had all that excitement with the fire department, I said, Holy Spirit, you're kind of funny. You said it was going to be a new normal. Church wouldn't be as normal, but I didn't think you'd start it off this way, you know. So anyway, God, maybe God's got a sense of humor uh, we don't know about sometimes, so amen tonight. If you're giving tonight, uh, and even if you're here in the sanctuary or if you're watching online or another time, there's several ways that you can give. If you're here tonight, you can physically give. And then if you're watching online, you can go to the website or the app and go to the giving tab and connect with the simple give. And then if, you're, if you want to text it in, if you like to use that, you simply dial the number that you would text a person in, in the person's name that you're going to send to or phone number 757-330-3370. And then in the message line of your text body, you'd put uh, text to give. And then when you hit the go button, the send button, that automatically sends you over to the Simply Give uh, platform and you can give that way. So uh, either way of those ways, you have to use your credit card. You do not have to do a recurring gift. You can do it, you know, just one time or as many times as you like to do. And thank you so much. The Lord has really blessed you to be able to bless WOW. And uh, because as you know, ministry continues. And uh, just to keep the buildings going and all of that, it just like your home, it continues. And the Lord's just been very, evidently very good to you because I have been appealing. If you have needs or if you need not only food, we give out food three days a week here on this property, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 p.m., on Saturday at 2 p.m. So if that's you and you need that, please don't hesitate. And even if you're listening live stream or on the call, call in tonight, come for food. There's no embarrassment to it. Uh, the Lord is blessed while to be able to receive some quality food. And so that's what we're receiving it for is to bless you. And, and, uh, and then we're able to help financially some in some people's situations financially. So we review each one of those cases and uh, look at those. And as we're able to, we have helped people financially through this. But evidently, the Lord is blessing people because I keep making that appeal. And we're, we haven't been getting a lot of appeals. And when I asked people, they said, no, Pastor, we're doing great. I've, I've still got my job or my husband's still working. My wife's still working or the kids are finally supporting us like they should. No, just joking about that one. But uh, anyway, so praise God for that. Uh, our statement about, uh, I've read it this morning, t- today on our live streaming. Sylvia and I do every day. I hope if you get to listen, I hope it's a, a help and encouragement to you. We pray and try to make it that 
for you a help and encouragement and then give you up-to-date things that uh, need to be done. We really didn't want to pass those lessons out. We meant for you to pick them at the door, but you're, that's okay. We're trying to make it touchless. If you don't have a lesson, if you'll raise your hand, Gene will get you a lesson and uh, just wipe the cooties off. Of, no, I'm just joking. She don't have cooties. But she doesn't have gloves on either. Okay, here's one over here, Gene. You don't. But you're, at least you're socially distancing. <laughs> Aren't y'all tired of this, ready for it to be over with? Amen. But we're trying to comply for your sake. We want people to be well and not sick. So uh, amen to that. Uh, <clears throat> right now, we're, we're going to remain on Sunday drive-in church, 10 a.m., uh, we we uh, will resume services on Wednesday because we're definitely under the 50% uh, crowd uh, maximum that we can hold. How the math goes on that, this sanctuary can sit 630, so half that's 315. So when you socially distance, about 200 people could sit in here. And so for each location, uh, that's why Pastor Rush can have his class in another room because in each location you can have 50% of the capacity of that space is how it's worded, space. So this space is well below that level and then his room is well below that level. But we're not doing nursery because it's very hard to social, socially distance. Little children, little weebles, they want to touch and grab and get close. And then the kids, I imagine the first few times the kids get out in public they're going to go bonkers. We have some neighbors that last Friday was the first time they'd been out of their house this whole time. The children had not been out. The little kid said, we've been in the house three months. And they were all bundled up. It was a warm day. But they were bundled. Last time they saw outside, it was winter. But they were all bundled up in their coats and gloves. And Sylvia took them for a walk in the nice sunshine. So uh, it was, it's... Uh, it's different. So that's where we are on how we're maintaining things. Uh, drive through prayer, we still maintain that on Wednesdays. Uh, CareNet Peninsula, if you're interested in supporting CareNet, they've changed their, their walk through life to a drive-in for life. And that's going to be sponsored in the parking lot of Coastal Community Church. That's near the, the uh, uh, Kroger store there in the, in the Yorktown area, Kiln Creek area. And that's going to be June 13th at 9 a.m. Graduate recognition, we are honoring our graduates, high school and college. We need them. If you're a parent of such or they're listening and hearing you're a graduate, high school, college, or a diploma, we need you to go to the web or the app site and go to the form there where you fill out and send in your name to us so that we're ready to bless you. We're going to recognize you on uh, Sunday, June 14th in our drive-in service outside. And then uh, I already mentioned drive-in movie. We just established today we're going to go ahead with the Holy Spirit Q&A day, question and answer day. That's going to be Saturday, May the 30th at 4 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. And uh, that is a time that if you've never received the Holy Spirit or feel like you need a refresher, and we all always need an infilling, refreshing of the Holy Spirit. There's more than one infilling, so we're opening that to you too here on Saturday. Pastor Sylvia and I will be teaching that class. We didn't put the time. Oh, yes, we did. It's 4 o'clock on that Saturday afternoon, and so uh, you're welcome to come and invite family members that don't have the Holy Spirit, but have an interest in that because the next day, Sunday, the 31st, is uh, Pentecost Sunday. And I thank God Pentecost is not one day. It is a relationship. 
and an experience with the Lord. So we typically have had people receive the Holy Spirit on the Holy Spirit Q&A day. And our emphasis in that time of ministry is about the Holy Spirit. So that's just coming up in a couple of weeks. Then our food pantry, because of Memorial Day weekend next Monday, our food pantry is closed this week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Now that I told you that it was open, but it's closed those days. And then our offices will be closed Monday too. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, we have been on a study, on a journey, on Wednesday night, understanding spiritual warfare from God's perspective. Anybody remember that? Okay, where we left off, and we've been continuing with that in our live streaming lessons. Thank the Lord for the live streaming capability to do that. So tonight we're on lesson 11, which is actually uh, the finish or culmination of our lesson last week, lesson 10, casting out demons, New Testament style. I just want to do this tonight. This is not, how many of you have ever had that experience where you have encountered somebody who was demon possessed? Anybody in the sanctuary tonight? Several of you, okay. How many of you were involved in being able to successfully cast the demon out of a person where they were delivered? Wonderful, good. Well, this will be encouraging you, to you tonight. It's not meant to be scary or fearful because we'll see in the Gospels, Jesus said that's why he came. That's not the only reason he came. He came that the Gospels preached to the poor. He came that the sick were healed, that the lame would walk, that the blind would see, that the deaf would recover, and the, the dead would be raised, and devils would be cast out of people. So your normative normative, normal Christian experience should be you, through Jesus, have the ability to do that. It's nothing that we should be afraid of. Now, I admit, the first time you encounter somebody that's demon-possessed and all you've seen it before is on a movie in the safety of your home or wherever, and you said, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. But when you see it firsthand live for the first time, it is a little bit disconcerting. It does kind of like, wow, I didn't know this was really real. Folks, it's really real in America. It happens in America. And this is not prophecy. This is just reality because people are going to let more and more evil and open more and more doors of their life to evil in the time that we're living in last days. We're going to see this more. And so I'm teaching this. This is part of uh, understanding spiritual warfare from God's perspective, not the devil's perspective. The devil is defeated in the name of Jesus. Come on, he's defeated in Jesus' name. You and I, he's given us authority and all power and authority over the devil. That means the devil's under Jesus' feet, so he's under our feet because Jesus greater is he that lives in us than he lives in this world. Amen to that. So we've studied how Jesus cast out demons. He didn't stomp and romp. He didn't rebuke the devil. Guess what? Jesus did not even command the devil to go back to the pit from which he came. We studied that in the weeks, and if you missed that, you can go online and get the notes or the back lessons that are archived. Jesus simply said to the devil, when the devil showed up, he said to him, it is written. And he gave him the word of God, and he resisted him, and Satan had to flee. It was that simple. And we say, oh, yeah, well, he was Jesus. It was simple for him. 
That's the same authority with which we are given that power to operate in today too. We're not called to wrestle with the devil. We're not called to entertain the devil. We're not called to interview the devil. We don't need to know their names and what countries they're from. We're just simply to take authority over them and command them, you leave in the name of Jesus. Now, all of that is based on the person who may be filled or inhabiting, uh, demon inhabiting them, their willingness and so one of the things we talked about, and this is a little bit of backtracking, one of the things we talked about, if you encounter somebody who is genuinely possessed by the devil, you need to make sure that person wants to become a Christian. They want deliverance. They want to become a Christian. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because if they don't really want real deliverance to become a Christian, you may have authority and be able to cast that devil out. But we said last week, that devil is going to leave, but he's going to seek for a place to inhabit. And when he can't find one, he's going to come back to where he was kicked out of. And he finds it swept. He finds it clean. He finds it unoccupied meaning unoccupied with the Lord's presence and salvation and even the Holy Spirit. And he's, got, he's not only going to move back in, he's going to bring, what does the Bible say, seven more that are worse with him, that the state of the person, the condition of the person, will be worse than it was before. So we would do disservice to a person who is truly possessed that doesn't want to surrender their heart to Christ and receive Jesus Christ and even go all the way and receive the Holy Spirit. We're doing a disservice to them even if we were to deliver them because they don't have the strength. They don't have the inner uh, spiritual stamina. They don't, have that, they don't have the warfare tools that it's going to take to stay delivered. So just bear that in mind. That was some of our teaching last week. So this week we're going to, and then we moved into talking about Paul's encounter with demonic. Certainly he had encounters that, with the demonic and cast them out. And we talked about Acts 13, uh, Simon the sorcerer, or Simon the Elamus, Elamus the sorcerer, who tried to hinder the pro-council of a city that they were in, tried to hinder the pro-council from receiving the gospel. And Paul turned to this one in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he, and he, and he said, you are, he said, be blind for a season. And immediately the sorcerer went blind, and when the pro-council saw the power of God working and heard the gospel message, he received Christ. And uh, so... Uh, powerful. So that's Paul's encounter. So we ended last week, we were just beginning to talk about there are three keys in the New Testament. So that's where we are tonight, talking about three keys. Well, what's the function of keys? I've got plenty of them, and if you work around here, you've got plenty of them, but you've got plenty of them. You've got car keys. I've got car keys on a separate ring because this is my church keys, and I don't want any more, but every now and then we have to add one more. But because then some of them are similar, but they have a different purpose. Some of them look exactly the same, but they open a different door, and they open a different, uh, and they're used for a different purpose. So there are types of keys in the New Testament that you and I, as God's people, need to understand how to use the keys of the kingdom of God, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So the function of a key is, duh, it's to allow you to entrance through a lock, or allow you to entrance through a door. Or it's, to, it's there to lock or forbid the privilege of passage. If you have a lock on your restroom door, bathroom door at home, you go in there and you lock it so your three-year-old doesn't bust in on you. Or somebody else in the family doesn't bust in. Especially if you just have one bathroom in the house, one restroom. So each key will have its own function of either permitting entrance 
or forbidding entrance. Now, please get this. This is real simple, but you've got to get this. The key is for the purpose of locking either to permit entrance or forbid entrance. So we're going to look at the scripture. Only the correct key with a specific purpose can fulfill its designated purpose. So the first, the first point we want to talk about tonight, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19, Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom of heaven to who? Pop quiz. The church. That's what it says. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which meant rock, and upon this rock... I will build my church. And the reference there is not upon Peter he built the church, but upon the rock and upon that he's going to build his church. And all the powers of hell will not prevail against it, one translation says, or conquer the church. Aren't you glad for that? When the devil comes to you huffing and puffing, say, hey, I'm the church. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against me. They didn't mean they won't try. It meant they won't prevail. They won't, they won't be able to sustain and last. They're not the final victor. Jesus is. We are in him. And I will give you the, here it is, keys of the kingdom of heaven. We don't have enough preaching, teaching on what the keys of the kingdom of heaven are. We've got a lot of pro- proclamation that there's keys of the kingdom of heaven. But many of God's people don't know what the keys are. So this teaching tonight is the beginning of letting you know what the keys of the kingdom of heaven are. And Jesus goes on to say, for whatever you forbid or bind, one, the King James and New King James and other translations says, whatever you bind on earth, and I'm going to discuss this in a minute, will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, this scripture has been misquoted as much or more as any scripture in all of the Bible. And it's used by many people suggesting that Christians can bind Satan and his powers of darkness on earth. Now, in the previous lesson, we already talked about that, and I just touched on it tonight when we were opening up. Jesus never said to the devil, I bind you. He never taught us to bind the devil. Jesus said there are going to be angels that come in the last days in in Revelation uh, chapter 3 and Revelation uh, chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 20, that God will send an angel. It doesn't even give the name of an angel. It's one of those right now no-name angels. Maybe it's the least of the angels in all of heaven just to show the devil how powerful God really is. But it's a, it's a devil that's coming, I mean an angel, I'm sorry, an angel that's coming in the end of time. He is the one that will bind Satan with chains and cast him into the bottomless pit. But Jesus nowhere does he bind him? And we went through that. I don't want to repeat a previous study, but go back and archive it, get the notes, or, get the, or hear the teaching. Jesus would say to the devil, it's written, meaning he, he used God's word as a sword against the devil, a pro- proclamation of the sword. And we said in the Hebrew meaning of this year, 2020, is the year of our mouth. So be careful what you're proclaiming and saying over yourself over your family members, over your situations. Be careful what you proclaim over it. Watch your mouth because what you decree and proclaim is what you will set into action to receive. We reap what we sow with our mouth and with our actions and our lifestyle. So, so that scripture in Matthew 16 has been grossly misquoted because we also use it, many Christians use it, about binding the devil and casting the devil out. That's not even the context that Jesus gave it in. 
Jesus gave it in the context of the church having power and authority against the gates of hell. So in Hebrew, uh, the King James, let me go back up. The King James has used these words of, of verse 19. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's not the original Hebrew or Greek meaning of those words. In Hebrew, binding means this. It means to disallow or not allow it, or it means to forbid it. I forbid you to come in my room, or I forbid you to do that. You parents have said that to your kids. I forbid you to go with that, other, that friend. I forbid you. That means don't do it. I disallow you. I'm not allowing you to do that. That's what the word for binding really means. And then loosing in the Hebrew, it means allowing and permitting. So you've got a disallowing or uh, forbidding versus a allowing and permitting. So these are the words that Jesus actually used. The more correct wording to use, and that verse would be properly translated better, is that all the powers of hell will not conquer my, my church, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That's the power of agreement with the word of the living God. Whatever you, you forbid uh, will, on earth, will, it's forbidden in heaven already, and you agree with God's word. And, and, you know, just simply for an example, is there sickness in heaven, folks? Are there devils in heaven? Is there sin in heaven? Is there backsliding in heaven? Whatever we find on the earth that's going on that's not God, it's not good, it's not happening in heaven. And Jesus said clearly in Matthew 16, you say, well, pastor, there's evil stuff happening all the time. That's because people make choices. It really boils down to the choices people make. And every choice, good or bad, it all has consequences. We reap what we sow. That's what that means. There's consequences. And so, and because, I don't want to get into this aspect of it, but because of the fall of man and sin, it set us on that pattern. But Jesus came to redeem us from that. And so watch what you say. Agree with God's word. Forbid what's going on in her. You know, are your, does God want your loved ones to be lost? What's the word say? It's not my will that any. Is your loved one in any? It's not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when you pray for your loved one or a friend or anybody that's lost, you're agreeing right there with God. God, you don't want them to be lost. I'm agreeing with you. I forbid that they go to hell in Jesus' name. And I loose them to receive the gospel in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go to heaven. Start praying that way in agreement with God's word over that person. Watch what happens. Now, you're going to have to contend because the devil doesn't just lay down. He puts up a fight, and especially nowadays, he's putting up a fight because they realize the demonic realm, they realize their time is short, and they're trying to confuse, and they're trying, oh, Lord, Jesus, all the confusion going on in the world today on a political, financial, marriage, every level, spiritual level, it, absolutely, everything is berserk. The devil is trying to contend because he knows his time is coming to an end, so he's trying to disrupt and trying to confuse and trying to drag everybody with him. And even God's people trying to get us to uh, forfeit, you know, our walk with the Lord so that we, we don't make it. So here's the question. Here's the question. Who are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Who are the keys? You are. Every person that's born again, 
Every person that's prayed a prayer, inviting Christ into their life, forgive them of their sins, wash me, cleanse me, put my name in the book of life. Lord, I want to live for you forever. You're the key. You are the key. And when you read that in the context of Matthew 16, and you're the key that goes in the lock that unlocks and either permits or locks it and forbids it. You're the key. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. All believers in Christ are the keys. Jesus is the master key. We have a master key around there. I've got a master key on this ring that will open mostly, except for doors that are changed and I haven't been given a key to, or it wasn't keyed to it. There's one of these keys that's a master key. Thank the Lord for master key, or this ring would probably be double its size. But that master key lets me in, every, in just about every room, every door that's locked or needs to be locked or stays locked. On, on this campus, and then there's, there's a master key for DCA, and then a master key for WOW too. So Jesus is the master key of the kingdom of heaven, and he made all of us as his born-again followers to become duplicates. Have you ever had a duplicate key made? You go down to Lowe's, or now they got the automatic machine. You put your key into it, and it cuts a new key. It's, a, it's called a duplicate. It's an exact replication if, it do, if the machine does it right. It's an exact replication of the key that you put in, the master key. Jesus is the master key. We are to be an exact duplication of his power and his authority on earth. Listen, he left us in charge of planet earth in his name and his power and authority. But we, as God's people, we don't understand that or either we don't use that authority and we let the enemy and we let situations run over us and we just kind of say, well, okay. That's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to be rude. He doesn't call us to be mean. He doesn't call us to be arrogant. But he calls us to be bold. And he calls us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To what? Stand and occupy until either you draw your last breath and, and you don't really die. You just transfer. For a child of God, you don't die. You just transfer. And you get a new body in the end of it all one day. But you just transfer your, your location, either it, until that time happens or until the time that Jesus comes and takes us out. We don't use the key of the kingdom of heaven to bind or permit the enemy to return to heaven. You can't do that because the devil's never going to be in heaven again. He has one destination. It's called, it's going to be a little bit of hopscotch. He's going to hell, but then the final stop is the lake of fire. So you must think, people think, Oh, it's hell. No, the lake of fire is the final destination. The false prophet, the beast, the devil, and everybody who doesn't accept Jesus Christ is going to end up in the final destination of the lake of fire. That's the final destination. That's that angel that has the key to the pit. Now, I'll go back to that. Every time Jesus encountered a devil, demon, the demon said, What have you come to do? Torment us before our time. Please don't send us to the abyss, the pit. They knew Jesus had the authority to send them to the pit, uh, to, the, to the final lake of fire. But Jesus didn't send them there. Jesus said, no, just come out. Well, someone went in pigs. Someone went and roamed around, you know, dry places until they found somebody else to inhabit. We talked about all that in a previous lesson. I don't want to go back there, but just as a back reference there. We don't have the authority to tell the devil or demonic powers to go to the pit. We don't have the authority. Jesus didn't even do that. An angel in the end will do that. Revelation 20, 1 through 3, and Revelation 20, 10. The key of the kingdom of heaven, that's, listen, you and I have not been designated the key to the pit. We don't have that key. That angel does in Revelation 20. 
But we do have, given to us by Jesus, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We already have those keys. And so we, those keys of the kingdom of heaven can only be used to allow someone to get into heaven. Now, we don't forgive sin. The Lord forgives sin. But through our prayers, through our intercession, through our witnessing, through our tears, through our laboring for somebody, those that sow in tears will reap in joy. Through all of that, we are the ones that open the door. Through our witnessing to people, we're the ones that tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus said he's the door. I'm telling you he's the door, and I want to introduce you. I want to take you to the door, and I want to, to, here's the door, but you've got to open the door, and you've got to walk through the door of Jesus to be saved. Isn't that what witnessing is? You can only bring them to the door. You can't do it for them. You can't make them do it. You can introduce. You can tell them about Jesus. You can testify. You can witness. You can tell how good he was. But you can lead them to the door. But you can't make them open the door. Jesus said, Behold, I stand on the door and knock. And if any man will open to me, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. That's actually written to the church. To open your heart again to the Lord and, and love him as a first love. But we use it for, for leading sinners to the Lord too. We have for decades now or centuries now or centuries at least. So the key to the kingdom of heaven, that's the keys we've been given. And so we as believers are the ones, we know the way into the kingdom of God, don't you? We know the way. It's Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we're the key to help others through that door, Jesus. Now here's the mission of the keys. There's a mission. Jesus came on a mission. Jesus gives us a mission. Your, your mission is not to just, and I love you. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're listening online. I'm glad you're calling in. I'm glad it's so good to see you in person. But your mission is not to just show up, soak up, and just be a consumer. Jesus had a mission and he came to give his life as a ransom so we could be reunited to the Father. He filled us with the Holy Spirit, that opportunity, so we would be empowered to do what? Be a better sitting, soaking Christian. No! (laughs) He filled us with the Holy Ghost power that we would have the boldness and the authority over the enemy and even over our flesh, ourself, to go witness be a witness, be a testimony to people about the power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this mission that he sends us on is not to come, just come to church. We come to church to be edified and built up and receive and to be taught and to learn, but then to go out and just give away freely what we've received, to freely give it away. Amen. So the mission of the keys, there's, missions of the, there's mission of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So what are they? As born-again believers, we're called by God to do mission work here on earth. You don't have to go to Africa or, or wherever to do that. Right here in your neighborhood, right in your cul-de-sac, down your street, where you work, or and you know when you go back to work if you're not working yet, where you go shop or where you go you know, socialize, those are your pulpits, those are, are your mission field. Our, our job, our vocation, it's actually the mission field that God's given you, and he pays you. He pays you to go there and to be a missionary for the kingdom of God. So don't hate your job. Look at it as a mission field God gave you. You say, man, there's sinners there. That's why he's got you there. They need the light that you carry, the love that you carry, the message that you carry. So don't just, you know huddle to yourself and I'm going to just eat lunch by myself you need to sit down with the worst of them 
They need to feel the love of God coming from you. They need to see how you react in bad situations. And did you hear what the boss just did to us? Yeah, I'm praying for him. Praying for him. I wanted to bring a gun and shoot at him. They're seeing through you the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the truth of God, the power of God. You're on a mission field. So look at your place of work as a mission field. Your house, even among your family members, if they're not saved, that's your mission field. I know what that's like. I had a mom and dad and brother and sister weren't saved. They were rough. I had alcoholic parents that drank every night of the week except Sunday. I mean, they'd drink to 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning and get up and go to work and never miss a lick. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And I'm the only Christian in that house. And I'd witness to them and I'd talk to them. I tried to serve them Jesus on the silver platter. And there'd be sometimes the Holy Spirit, I could just feel the Holy Spirit anointing me to give me what to say. And one time my dad said, man, you, I had my Bible open and everything. My dad said, man, you're, you, 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 you're going to be good at this. That's before I even knew I was called to preach. But it took the Holy Spirit dealing with them. They were, they were my mission field. And, and, and I sowed into them and I literally wept and I fasted for them. And I'm not pinning any roses on me because the Holy Spirit commissioned me to do that. And I just realized if I can't win my family to the Lord, and that's tough. Winning your family's hard. Because they say, well, we know you. We know the old you. It's hard to win old friends. They go, hey, we remember what we used to do together. I said, yeah, but that's not me anymore. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, sure. But you've got to live the life in front of them to show them that's not you. You are a new creature, creature, creation in Christ Jesus. Praise God. So the first thing, the first key to the kingdom that you and I are is to preach the salvation plan to the lost. Preach doesn't mean sitting up here or sitting out there on that tower they got built preaching or proclaiming, uh, you know, a message on Sunday or Wednesday or something. Preach simply means to proclaim, kerygma, proclaim the gospel, tell the good news. What's the good news? Jesus loves you. God loves you. He can save you. He can bring you out of darkness. That, that is our first key of the kingdom, preach the gospel. He told us in Romans, unless somebody goes, unless somebody's sent, they're not going to hear. And unless somebody's sent to tell them, they're not going to receive and salvation will not happen. We've got to be willing. He's already sent us. Amen? The Lord's already sent us. He's told us to go. Are we obeying? Are we going? I'm not being rough on you tonight, but we need to get stirred up. Listen, it's not going to be church as normal anymore. God's on the move. God is on the move to do something different in us. I, I am praying, God, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. But, Lord, I know I need the new that you're going to bring. I don't want the old. I don't want the, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying we're throwing everything out, but I'm just saying, God, you're moving. These are the last days. We've got to get with with what God is doing now. He's doing something new and fresh. The plan of Matthew 10, 7 is this. As you go, and he meant daily, we go daily. As you go, preach, proclaim, declare, witness, testify, drop a scripture on somebody. Hey, Give them, hey, can I pray for you? I see that you're hurting. Or I just heard you talking in line that this is going on. You know, people are vocal, aren't they? Uh, this, this happened to me at work, and uh, this person did this to me at the gas pump, and uh, this is happening to me, and I got injured doing this. Say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? They may look at you like you grew three heads right there in front of them, but be bold. Most people today will not turn down a prayer. 
They may not understand what you're doing, but they won't turn down a prayer nowadays. But preach, proclaim, declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because it is. It is. Jesus came as God's lamb to take away the sin of the world. You know that? Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. But thank God the wonderful gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Only believers in Jesus Christ, we're the ones that preach the gospel that lead people to the door that can open the door for them to find Jesus. We are that door to preach the gospel, to tell, to witness, to testify. Here it is in Romans 10, 13 and 15. I tried to quote most of it from memory and didn't do a good job. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. It worked for you, didn't it? But how then shall they call on him and whom they've not heard? Do you know there's people still in America that the only Jesus they've heard is a curse word? They need to hear about God's love, God's mercy, Jesus Christ. He really did die for you and hung on the cross for you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall we say, how, how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've never even heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You don't have to be called like I am to be a preacher pastor. You are a witness. You are a child of God. You are a proclaimer. You fall into that category that the Lord said, go. He anoints you. He saved you to go and to tell and preach and proclaim and declare. Preach the good news. That's all it is is proclaiming, telling, testifying, witnessing. How, sh- how, they sh- how-, yeah. how shall they hear without a preacher? How th- shall they preach unless they're sent? Well, that's already taken care of. The Lord already told us to go. It's just the obedience part we got to get down. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of feet. You may not like them, but the Lord said they're beautiful. Your feet are beautiful when they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. For those of you that are online and can't see it and call in, I took my shoe off and I held my beautiful foot up. That the Lord said, the word said is beautiful because it proclaims the gospel of peace. It takes us to play. <laughs> we need to have a heart. And that's, that's why we need a new, fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, folks. We need to, we, and I'm, tell, I'm saying this about myself. We need to look beyond ourselves. And we need to see a lost world. I know there's people that you want to witness to, and they'll tell you where to go and say, no, I'm not going there. I've already arranged that. I'm not going there. I'm going, I'm going my, my name's in the book of life. I'm going up. I'm not going down. Jesus said he, he's prepared a place for me. I'm going to that place. I'm not going to the other place. He's preparing a place for both groups of people. I'm not going there. I'm, I'm going to the non-smoking one. <clears throat> Second keys of the kingdom of God. It's not just to preach and proclaim, but to be so filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can have this. To be so filled with the Holy Spirit, you can demonstrate the kingdom plan. People, this is what's given, when I say the church, I mean the people of God. This is what's given us a bad rap. Christians say they believe, but they don't live what they say they believe. What's the, what's the Bible call that? Hypocrite, hypocrisy. We've all been hypocrites at one time or another, you know. Even as a parent, you told your child, if you do this, I'm going to do this. The child did it and you didn't do it. You were a hypocrite. He said, well, you know, I really didn't mean it when I told them that. Then don't tell them that because they're going to try you. So, you know, don't let them make a hypocrite out of you. If you tell them you're going to do something, if they do something, then do it. 
If you're not prepared to do it, that's just a little meddling with your parenting skills there. But to demonstrate, once the resurrected Lord comes to live in us as a believer, he releases. You've got, you don't have to go through 29 classes. You don't have to be in church five and a half years. You immediately have the power and the authority to go cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick, open blind eyes. You immediately have the power and the authority to do that. You don't have to go through it. You know, it's, yes, it's good to have understanding, wisdom, and knowledge, but, that, but you don't, you know, you don't, that's not a qualification. You immediately have the authority and the power is what I'm trying to tell you that to go minister in signs and wonders of Acts 1.8. Jesus said, Matthew 28.18, all authority is be given to me, him, in heaven and on earth. But then he turns around in Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power. Same power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to all the end of the earth. Now, I know we know all these scriptures. We can quote them probably better than I could. I know we know that as Pentecostals. But we've got to embrace that and we need the newness and the freshness of the Lord. Jesus has restored God's kingdom authority and power back to you and I as sons and daughters of God. That we can now move in the kingdom plan and power to destroy the works of the devil. And expand God's kingdom to the end of the earth to every unreached people group that there is. Listen, that's the only thing keeping, holding back Jesus from coming. Jesus said... When, when the gospel is preached into all the world, then the end will come. We're seeing the signs. We're seeing the catastrophic events. We're seeing the earthquakes. We're seeing the pestilences. We're seeing the famines. We're seeing the, we're seeing the, the, uh, the whatever we're in now, the, the pandemics and epidemics. We're seeing that, and it's increasing. Just last week, they had an earthquake in California that ran all the way to Utah. That was a 6.7, I think. And then somebody said just yesterday or sometime, there was another one, I think they said in Indonesia. All that's increasing. You say, oh, yeah, we hear that all the time. It's increasing. There, there is not a tornado season anymore. It's, it's just all the time. And uh, India and uh, Myanmar and the other country next to India, they are experiencing the worst typhoon in either 50 or 100 years right now. Right now. It's just, it's just ex- escalating. The only thing left is for the gospel to go out in all the world. You know, you know what the, a good thing about COVID-19 has been? The church, the body of Christ, has gone so media conscious that the word of God is getting out through the media like never before. People, that missionaries and Christians could not go into these countries and nations because of the restriction, because there was terrorism, and they die, and the Muslim and whatever faith that they believed in that country would not allow Christians to go there. If you did and you preached it, they'd kill you, and that's not a very long ministry, you know, going to happen for you. But through the media, they can't stop the media. They can't stop a satellite. They can't, listen, in these countries, we saw it, we saw it, saw it in Cameroon, Africa, Every, nobody's got a landline. They don't do landlines. But in these countries of the world, the most remote villages in Africa, they all got one of these. And when they run out of minutes, they don't, they don't go to Sprint and go to Verizon or go to AT&T. They stop at a little umbrella stand and they, they, they pay the money and they add the minutes in the phone and off they are in the, either foot or bicycle or their car or whatever. They all have one of these. And they all have the news and they all have everything on it. 
They're, they're, they're more addicted to this than we as Americans even are. It's their lifeline over there. The gospel goes through that. It's amazing. Thank God for that. But we, we have to be empowered that we not only preach the gospel, but our life so lives with the power of God that we can demonstrate it. That we can demonstrate it. Jesus raises the dead. You know, that's one of the things on the list that Jesus said you and I are supposed to be doing. Have you showed up at a funeral lately and walked up to the casket and viewed the person and said, get out of there in the name of Jesus? We don't do that, do we? Jesus said, we could. It's on the list. Is Jesus a liar? Do many of us practice it? Third element of the keys is to destroy the works of the devil. I tell you what, sitting here tonight, it just looks like the devil's just winning, doesn't he? But he's not. He is in the heart and the life of those that yield to him. But God's always got a remnant. God always has a group of people that love him with all their heart. And I've made up my mind, I'm going to be in that remnant. I'm going to be in that group that loves him with all my heart. I've already made up my mind. It doesn't matter what they do to me. It just doesn't matter. I don't, listen, I, I, I believe in theology. I respect theology, so I'm not dis, dissing it. I've already made up my mind. I don't care if Jesus comes before the rapture, in the middle of the, I mean, tri- before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after. So I, I don't care. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to live for him no matter what. If I have to die and give my life for him, I'm, by the grace of God, I said, Lord, you know me. I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a brave person. I'm not a hero. It, that would scare me. I said, but I trust you that if that day comes and if that's what you have for my life, I trust you that you're going to give me the grace to do it. You're going to give me the grace not to deny you, not to apostatize, not to be like Peter does around the campfire and say, ooh, I don't know him. That was a, I just read that recently. That was a sad night for Peter. Thank God he repented and he was forgiven. But in that day, if you do it, there's not going to be space for it. But, he has empowered us to destroy the works of the devil. Whoa. Genesis one twenty six tells us that initially, and you know this, God gave Adam the authority to rule over every living thing on the earth, plant life, animal life, and humans to come. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, mankind, have dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The Lord gives you and I authority over creeps. So if you've got creeps bugging you, <laughs> you've got authority over creeps. Jesus, who is the last Adam, the second Adam of Romans, came back to take, came, came to take back that authority that man in the original state had relinquished, given over to Satan through his disobedience to God. We know that story. The earth, while under Satan's rule, now, because he's the prince in the power of the air, he has released all kinds of sins, sicknesses, diseases, curses, and fears of death to every living soul on the planet that will accept it. That's why we've got to be careful what we say. You need to be careful what you listen to. Now, I want to say this. I probably will be misunderstood and shot at, but so be it. I have all respect for the medical world, medical science, doctors, and stuff like that. But when they start telling us this COVID thing's calming down, but don't get your hopes up. It's coming back in the fall. That's what they're telling you. That's what they're telling you. 
You know the doctor, and there, there's not just one, there's several. But on the other hand, others are saying, no, this, when they start false prophesying that kind of stuff over you and I, we need to stand up and say, I, re- I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Not my house, not me, not my lungs, not my body. If you want that and you want to proclaim it and receive it over yourself, that's your business. But it's not coming back to me. And we we just, he gives us authority to take a stand. Now, do I think, I think, do, do I think Christians are going to just be so powerful to take a stand that, that we're just going to deal with the devil and he's going to go away on planet earth? No. He's going to rise up. His kingdom's going to rise up. But simultaneously, there's a rise and a revival in the kingdom of God. There's going to be a great turning of people to God. Jesus said so. The Lord says so. The Word said so. Before there's going to be a great harvest. That's going to be that Joel 2 harvest. I'm going to pour my spirit on all the earth. Who knows that this Pentecost is not that. It's what Dr. Nico, when he came here last year, preached and, and talked about. He felt the Lord showed him there's going to be a third Pentecost. Lord knows we're right for it. We need that. I need that. Christians need that. The body of Christ needs that. The world needs to see an empowered church that's been pushed back, that's been told, no, you can't meet. You can't open up. And if you do, you got a social distance and, and you can't do this. I know just like you, I, I, I'm saying a lot of things from the news, but it gripes my soul when a tattoo parlor and when a, dry, and a liquor store and an abortion clinic and everything else they say or essential can be remained open and people can flock to it and, and that the church... The, the, the very thing that's going to help people, truly help people, we've got to shut down. We've got to back off. For a while, we couldn't even do drive-in church. And then when you showed up first time, you had to roll your windows up. Then they lowered it. Well, you can do your windows down. Now they're, they're releasing in increments. I respect the laws of the land, yes, as long as they don't tell me to violate God's ways, which are higher. I think as a Christian, you know, we have to, you have to draw a line somewhere and you have to take a stand. But when they start pronouncing that false prophecy, well, it's coming back and it's not going to go over. And because Jesus said these are but the beginnings of sorrows, I know other stuff is coming. But it doesn't mean it has to rule and reign and take over your house or your body and your life. So we have come and been given authority to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus declares in John 12, uh, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Jesus came. He judged the devil uh, through his death. It looked like a total failure, but it was a total victory and, and uh, success what the Lord had done. But he said that now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world, who is Satan, he's going to be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to me. That is our number one goal, to lift Jesus Christ not to lift wow, not to lift a denomination, not to lift a building, not to lift our little empire, but to lift up Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Folks, we've got to focus on that. If you hear anything I've said to you tonight, we've got to make sure our life focuses on lifting Jesus up every day so that people are drawn to him. He's given us the message. He's given us the love. He's given us the power. We've got to lift him up so people are drawn to him. The scoffer's going to scoff. The unbeliever's going to just be an unbeliever. But there are people out there that are hungry. And this, this, all of this that's going on, it has conditioned some people's hearts to realize 
They don't have control of their life in the world like they thought they did. They can't even find toilet paper or whatever else they're looking for. That is so hilarious that that's become the main item of interest in all of this and the joke of it all. It's not funny if you don't have it, but John 14, 30, Jesus said, no longer, uh, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. And Jesus said, he has nothing in me. Jesus lived the kind of life that the devil had nothing to incriminate him with. God help us. John 16, 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus has already judged Satan. Satan has lost. Jesus won. The kingdom of God wins. And he gives us the authority. We need to live in that mentality. Here's a scripture that I've so grown to love. 1 John 3, 8b part of the scripture. For this purpose, the Son of God has been manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he did. And the devil is, is the devil real and alive? Does he have power? Yep, because people give it to him. Paul said, don't, don't give place to the, the devil. Why do you tell us don't give place? Because when you give place to him, you're giving room to him. You're opening the door to him. But you and I have the authority to tell the devil, beat it. The devil, the devil tempts me every day in some way. Does he you? Am I the only one in the room? Am I the only one live streaming? On, you on the phone? The devil tempts me in some way every day. A thought. Why don't you just say this back to them? They said something to you, kind of snippet. Why don't you just say that back to them? That's the temptation because the Lord said a soft answer turns away wrath. And, and just everything, every area of your life, the Word of God's got an answer for it if you'll, if you'll look and obey it. So he gives us authority to destroy, and he's already destroyed the works of the devil. We just, we're called to reinforce it. You don't have to beat the devil all over again. You don't have to win the battle. Jesus did that. We just have to daily reinforce the victory Jesus has already won in your own life. That's what you and I are responsible for. For this to happen, we as God's kingdom, keys, we're the keys, we must manifest the presence of God wherever we go, setting people free from the works of the devil. The same works Jesus did, you know this, we are to do. Matthew, here's a list. Matthew 11, 5 through 6, the blind see. This is what Jesus gave to disciples of John, the baptizer, when John was in that place in prison, when John was going, go ask him, is he the one we should look for or are we supposed to look for another? John was having some wavering there. John was wondering. Why was John wondering? Because John was in prison. This is not the way this should go. I shouldn't be in prison. I shouldn't be facing death. You know, this was, I didn't sign on for this. John was having, you know, go at And John was probably wondering, I'm about to die. I'm going to get killed through this. I'm probably not going to see daylight out of this prison again. Is, is Jesus really the one who he said he was? If he is, it's worth me dying for. If it's not, I need to get out of here. So here's what the response Jesus gave to John, the baptizer, disciples. The blind, it's, a, it's a list of what's supposed to happen in the kingdom of God. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. He said, you go tell John, that the things that you see me doing are happening. When John heard that, John said, okay, he's the one, because those were all the signs that the Messiah would do and fulfill. It didn't say anything about kicking the Romans out. It said about delivering people and setting them free from the spiritual oppression. The normal, 
the normal, I'm going back to a statement I made earlier, the normal Christian life is not to just attend church services. I am so glad you're here. I'm so wonderfully delighted to see your faces again. I really am. But listen, church, we've got to be the church in the hour that we're living in. And the normal church, the normal Christian life is not just to attend services, enjoy social fellowships. We can do that and enjoy home groups. But as sons and daughters of the resurrected Lord and Savior, we are to go in his name daily and find those who need to be released from captivity, delivered, saved, and rescued. You are the key. You're the key. God's not coming down. Jesus is not coming down to earth to do it all over again. You had the message. You're the key. We're supposed to be using that key to put it in the lock and let people free. Um, amen. Amen. Father, you're up to something. Touch us, Holy Spirit, that there's a thirsting and a hunger in your people that's revived, renewed. That, Lord, we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. We hunger and thirst. That, Lord, you've already said these things. You've already done your part. It is now up to us to pick up the mantle, the anointing, and go as you've told us to go and do what you've told us to do. I pray that, Lord, you would encourage and empower everyone that's in this room, everyone that's watched live stream, everyone that's heard. I pray, Lord, for myself, that, Lord, we just not, this complacency's got to go in Jesus' name. This self-serving Christianity of just enjoying what we enjoy, and if somebody doesn't receive Christ, it's their fault, their problem, their issue to deal with. Lord, touch, touch us. Touch us, Lord. Put the passion and compassion that you have for people Back in us, Lord, again. In Jesus' name, for your kingdom's sake, Lord. That your kingdom would grow in advance. That, Lord, we would do what it says in Jude. Snatch them from the flames of hell. In Jesus' name, Lord. Touch our family members. Give us a word for them. And may they know it's from God, not from a human being, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray it for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Those of you watching live stream, thank you for being with us. Those that are on the call in, uh, glad that you could be with us tonight. For you, the first time back here on Wednesday night in, what, seven weeks or so, we're glad you're here tonight. And bless you. We'll see you Sunday, uh, 10 a.m., Saturday night soaking. We can have 200 people in here for prayer. God, God's been powerful in here on Sunday night and just experienced a powerful white night. I said Saturday night. I'll get it right, Saturday night at 7. What did I say? What night did I say? Sunday. Well, you can come back Sunday. You may be by yourself here, but anyway. It'll be all right. You're never by yourself, Jesus. We, we love you. We're praying for you. Uh, that slogan, we probably worn it out. We're going to make it together, but we, we really are. We're going to make it together. You know what? If I'd have done that sign and put it in the church, we're going to make it together, sign God. <laughs>